Wait, so, keep hopping in. So you're saying you're saying Dave just sings the the theme. Yeah, does like the he, he goes, and then we'll just dub the. And what do we? Too, what like, do we do? We just look pretty, and he just. We does just the stand on the side, like, wow, All right, Dave, uh, fucking uh, take yeah, the intro, Dave. He's so talented. What is it? Crack open a cold box of wine because it's time for the binge watchers podcast. Holy bow, crap! You think bow, after bow, ten bow, years, bow, he like might know what the girl says? No, what she says. What Kimmy Pops, who's an Australian artist, actually says is. Crack open a cold box of wine and pour something cold on ice because it's the Bid Watchers podcast. Boom. Here she comes. Dun, dun, Crack dun. open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers podcast. You know what, though? We can't punish Dave that bad because he figured out how to work his new microphone. <laughs> yeah. And, it <laughs> and that's impressive. Good. It's yeah. a good mic. Sounds great, I, Dave. I like this one. Uh, yeah. Um, so as you know, if you're following along this month, we're doing a series of horror movies and their remakes to find out which one is better, or which one we enjoyed more, or just to literally tell you, there's a couple films you guys should take a look at this week. And if you're getting ready for all the horror movies you're going to be watching in honor of the season that we're in, Screams, dreams, and whatever creams. That's what Dave likes to say. Uh, he does say that a lot. Looks like, he it does. I mean, <laughs> you have to literally cut that out of the episode because yeah, it gets too much like, sometimes. I mean, you know, other podcasters, yeah, yeah, other podcasters are worried about the uhs and the ums and the coughing on the mic. No, I mean, like the word cream, we have to literally, Dave, it's a PG 13 show. You're really taking us <laughs> to the NC 17 territory here every freaking night. Um, oh, no, till, hey, you were saying Peacocktober all you, over the place last week. Well, I mean, that's the official title. NBC picked that one, baby. Uh, <laughs> like, um, so we're going to talk about a couple of horror franchises to figure out like the official continuity. Like we were doing this text back and forth and Nick had pointed out that there was like a clickbait article that said, oh, oh this is oh. the order that you should watch the nightmare movies yeah. in. And Nick, what did you tell true. me? Do you remember what you said when you it was literally I, I, I watched the article. I'm like, well, how yeah. would they tell me to watch this? It's got to be different than the order it comes in. No, it was just one through eight, New Nightmare yeah. and Jason, uh, Freddy vs. Jason. It was like, and then the remake. I'm like, so it pretty much goes in just, order? Just the production order, like the order that they made. That is a clip big yeah. article and I've then, ever seen. And then I, <laughs> I was offended. I'll just, and then we'll let Dave make his comment. I was offended because it's not even going by canon. Because if you look <laughs> at the nightmares, it's like one doesn't connect to two and two doesn't connect to three. So it's like one, three, four, five, and six are a long story. Like we meet the nightmare, the kids gain dream powers to fight the nightmare. The dream powers get passed on to the ultimate hero whose name is Alice for two movies. And then, uh, and then, yeah, then we're trying to figure out, well, is the kid in the next movie, the kid we saw in the previous one, or is it actually Freddie's kid? What's going on? We don't really know. And then it all, it all wraps back to the first one. I mean, part two, Freddy comes to real life and like, you know, almost a werewolf like transformation. Like he comes out of a kid's body and that's considered like the greatest gay horror film of all time or whatever. Like it's, notorious it's a pretty, gay, pretty uh, um, good gay horror film. They, they made a it's documentary awesome. recently with the star Screen because queen. about like how it's mm-hmm. exploitive of gay horror. And da, 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 da. It's a good documentary. You should look it up. I can't do it justice. because It's not my story, but you should guys should look it up. 
Um, and then you get to New Nightmare, which is just like part two, except for the themes are a little more undertone. But the same kind of thing. Let's bring Freddy out of the dream, and he's real, and he's killing people. You know. So. But, what, right. but Wes Craven at least did it a little smarter, I think, than part two did, I feel. And Dave, you've been two was a rush rush job, of course. I mean, they're like, hey, this man. Dave, you had a comment a little while ago. Do you remember what you're going to say? Oh, well, yeah, because you said this article said, we'll just watch it in in the order of which it was made, which, okay, sure. But technically speaking, I guess you could watch number five first because that has a bit of Freddy's origin. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because they address address how uh, his mother was like a a nun that was raped by a thousand maniacs. (laughs) No, no, that's I mean, in part could, three. That, that goes all the way back to that. part three. Yeah, right. But they show three, it right? in part expanded five, so it they in have part flashbacks three. to it in part five. Though, yeah, I think. Well, moving on to the next uh, conical <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> I love original continuity stuff. Like, so there's Halloween too. one, which came out in the early '80s. Maybe it was '79. I don't remember the year. 1980 or whatever. '78. Okay. So you got Halloween one, then Halloween two. We gets burned up in the hospital. Skip three because it's a separate story. But originally, I mean, everybody knows that Halloween movies were supposed to be anthologies, which means we would have only seen The Shape or Michael Myers, a.k.a. whatever, in the first movie. Anyway, he wouldn't have come back. But then they – so three tanks. Like there's a cult following now, but three tanks. Four returns Michael Myers, then revenges Michael Myers, (laughs) then curses Michael Myers. And those are all like in the same universe, right? And they explain one long story – and we get to see first Jamie Lee Curtis fights him as a sister. Then there's like a niece that he's going after. Um, well, what's her name? Uh, Daniel Harris, right? Daniel Harris. But she, I mean, she'll get recast as a completely different character in the <laughs> Rob Zombie movies that he makes. But that's again another how universe. Two movies down the road after what you you're could talking make about a, <laughs> yeah. an argument that H2O is actually in the same universe as Curse of Michael Myers, maybe, and then. Maybe. Then finally, Jamie Lee Curtis dies in the one after that with Busta Rhymes, right? Well, they do Fight mention in part. They do mention in part four that Jamie or Jamie Lee character's character died in like a car crash. So mm-hmm. maybe she faked her death, went to uh, that school up north. You know, had a kid. Well, that's how they did HGO, right? They didn't erase yeah. the other two, but they didn't they did, reset did it, it. But they kind of retconned yeah. part four and five and six. So, like, so oh, the, wait, wait, the real truth is they're picking and choosing yeah. what's ever going to get them to the box. Office. We're making it. Which, <laughs> like, <laughs> which which ones do we choose from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm in a good mood, so let's move on to headlines. Unless Dave has more to contribute to that whole. <laughs> nah, thing. nah, I'm good. All right. It can so, get very confusing, yeah. <laughs> so Jeff Bezos has this mission called, like, uh, I don't know. I got to go to my paper on this. It's a space mission called NS-18 on the rocket called New Shepard. But William Shatner, who's, like, in his 90s, is going to go to space. And uh, he said, uh, um, what does he have to say? Oh, uh, this is Shatner's uh, quote. I've heard about space for a long time now. I'm taking the opportunity to see it for myself. <laughs> what a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, hey, that's kind of cool. Original Captain Kirk is going to get shot up into space before he dies. I mean, that's kind of cool. Is that um, really going to happen? That's kind of crazy, right. right? Or, I mean... Like, <laughs> well, I mean, you think Shatner seem... gets money just for them saying it's going to happen, whether he actually gets on yeah, the rocket right. or not? I'm like, like, that could be like a medical nightmare Shatner, for him. <laughs> we need all the Trekkies to endorse yeah. this rocket. The kids... The kids just don't care about space anymore. Do something, you know. Yep, have a ninety-year-old actor. He's gonna the fourteen-year-old dude right yeah. behind that shit. All right. Uh, oh, it's more than a K-pop fad. I mean, speaking about what the kids are into, they're super into these K dramas. They released this thing called Squid Game on Netflix. It's basically like 
anybody who's like bereaved or destitute as a lower class in Asia, they take them, put them in this game where they're competing, but it's ultra violent, kind of like battle Royale. Mm-hmm. I prefer battle Royale. And it's, I mean, I think that, was, that one's from, Royale. that's a movie from Japan. And this is a, yeah. a as I said, a dark K drama um, from South Korea, but it's captivated. Like the whole world is watching this show on Netflix right now. It's like the number I, one show in like 10 different countries. I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't. I, I saw the preview for it. And it didn't seem like it was for me. And then all of a sudden, like that's all you see on the social media right Everywhere. now. Everywhere, everybody's talking Everywhere. about really? Squid Game. Do we need to? Watch I went it to. Or? I went I, to send Nick a Kermit gif before the show just to get everybody hyped about this episode we're recording right now. And the first thing it showed me was a squid game gif. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so this thing's popping up everywhere. It's, it's okay. everywhere. Um, what's at the top of the box office right now? Uh, Venom 2, which is officially mm. called Let There Be Carnage. Um, a real mixed bag. I mean... Did you see it? They're saying goofy things. The monster fights aren't that great. Um yeah. A major spoiler alert is about to happen because the rumor on the streets, plug ears if you don't want to hear it because it ties back into the Spider-Man movie that's coming out for the MCU. But if you're ready for it, here it goes. They say at the very end of the movie, they get sucked into the MCU universe. But as Venom drops, oh, by the way, I know about different universes, click. They're they're in the timeline of the Far From Home Spider-Man movie. So he's going to be in the new one then, I guess? Yeah, Venom got sucked into... Well, because like... I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, they're trying but to tie saying, all the stories so all together. Topher Grace is not going to be in the new one, then. This I think has he to is. Do with, no, this has nothing to do with Topher Grace. No, but he like, would still be. Venom. No, but he would technically. He's the only Venom that currently exists in the MCU. That's his universe. What we're talking about mm. is Marvel's doing all these stories that have different parallel universes. So okay. there could be multiple Venoms if they so choose. And in theory, if they kill Carnage in this movie, there could be another Carnage floating around too, but who knows? Oh, uh, okay. This is getting um, very confusing. Okay. <laughs> That's the point. That's what Michael Keaton said. But hey, you, yeah, you got to yeah. keep up on what your What am MCU I doing? Yeah. Lore here. Um, what are we at? Like 25 movies and four shows now? Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, so tonight we're talking about a horror movie original and its remake. We're talking about The Thing from Another World from 1951 and The Thing from 1982. This is officially what they say online that these movies are about. A scientist named Dr. Cardington reports a UFO near his North Pole research base. The Air Force sends in a team under Captain Patrick Hendry to investigate. What they find is a wrecked spacecraft and a humanoid creature frozen in the ice. Then they bring the discovery to the base, but Carrington and Hendry disagree over what to do with it. Meanwhile, the creature is accidentally thawed and begins wrecking havoc. Yeah, basically the scientists argue with preserving the creature even as it maims and kills, and the Air Force is like, we got to put this thing down. That's basically the thing from another world. Um, In the remake, in a remote Antarctica base, a group of American research scientists are disturbed when a helicopter is shooting at a sled dog from another base. Then they take the dog in, it attacks humans and canines in the camp, and then starts mutating, and it can assume the shape of its victims. Then uh, a resourceful helicopter pilot at the base, played by Kurt Russell, whose name is McCready, and the camp doctor, played by Richard Dysart, if I'm mispronouncing your name, sorry, buddy. Um, they lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them off one by one. And Walter Brimley's in this movie. He's kind of like their yeah, geologist. He geo- he's, he's, he's a bad guy. <laughs> he's really good in that <laughs> movie, yeah. He's like their botanist. I don't know what he is, because yeah. he's, he's studying biology at one point, but then he seems like the doctor, but he's not the doctor. Then he's, he, I don't know. Anyway. I, I love he's his just, computer graphic that he looks at, and it shows... 
yeah. how the thing's going to take us over. And it's so like Atari, but it's it works. MS-DOS so 2, baby. Or yeah. like Mac it still 1 works. Or it's great. Mac 2 or something. Um, and then Dave and I um, uh, very researched the shit out of this in our writer's room. And we got some trivia on the filmmakers and the, and the movies. Let's see. Uh, Dave's got a lot of reading to do, so he might want to take a glass of water. <laughs> Actually, that's a bad idea. Take that sip and try not to use those words you always say. Those words. Okay. So here, we're going to talk about the first thing from another world for a moment. So uh, the skeleton crew at the South Pole Telescope Station have a tradition of every winter over watching this movie and the other two adaptations <clears throat> on the very first night after the departure of the final plane of the season. Uh, close-ups kind of... Scary. of yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a scary thing to start your season. I'm just saying that's oh, scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, close-ups of the thing were removed. It felt like the makeup could not hold up to a close-up scrutiny. Uh, however, the lack of close-ups gave the creature a more mysterious quality. Um, Jane, actor James Arness or the thing um, in the movie uh, reportedly regarded his role as so embarrassing that he didn't attend the premiere. According to makeup artist Lee Greenway, he took James Arness in his car to the house of producer and co-director Howard Hawks to show off the makeup or, uh, for the thing. After months of frustration, Hawks told Greenway to put a Frankenstein type of headpiece on Arness. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Uh, so the film was based on the short story Who Goes There by Don A. Stewart. Yeah. The credits on this film list the author by his real name, the science fiction editor and writer John W. Campbell Jr. He used to write a lot of stuff under a pseudonym. Um, so directors Ridley Scott, John Frankenheimer, Toby Hooper, and John Carpenter all cited this movie as a key influential film in their lives. Uh, Carpenter, of course, we'll be talking about this, famously readapted the movie in 1982. Uh, Tom, uh, excuse me, horror actor Tom Atkins states this as a movie he loves. Um, Producer Howard Hawks asked the U.S. For Air Force for assistance in making the film. He was refused because the top brass felt that such cooperation would compromise the U.S. government's official stance that UFOs didn't exist. Wow. Mm, that's actually uh, true. Wow. So it is generally believed that uh, Howard Hawks took over direction from Christian Nyby, his former editor, during production, and it has always been acknowledged that Nyby by Nyby that Hawks was the guiding hand. However, in an interview, James Arness said that while Hawks spent a lot of time on the set, it was Nyby who actually directed the picture, not Hawks. Uh, filmmaker John Carpenter, who directed the remake of the thing, said in an interview that he asked Hawks that question in 1971, and Hawks told him that he only gave Nyby some suggestions. Carpenter noted, however, that later in life, Hawks start, started to claim more and more credit for directing the film and yeah. that the completed movie has much more of Hawks' trademarks than 90s later work. I don't know you if know that's what? some shade Can, or just trying to yeah, take credit. We want to comment yeah. on that one. That, that one's juicy. Yeah, so that's like, that's like I've always coming. given credit to Howard Hawks. You see his name. I recognize it. I'm like, dude, show me a, a horror movie. Let's go. Stylish. Yeah. Um, it definitely, I, I in watching it this time, it definitely has Hawks's uh, signature rat-a-tat um, dialogue style. Like people bounce off each other really fast. Like you barely have a gap of, you know, space between dialogue, which is something he's known for. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I buy that he directed much of it. <laughs> you care to weigh in, uh, Nick? I'm carrying it. Oh, I I love this movie. The, I the, you're talking about the 51 version, right? No, no, we're yeah. not doing favorite bits. We're talking about 
do you think uh oh, okay. Hawks was unofficially the director or the other guy was it like it, it's this you know what it, it's that poltergeist thing like spielberg or Tony hooper right it's like one of those mm-hmm. like i think they probably m- had their moments of both i think Right. So like, I, can totally uh, see, I can totally see Hawks in this, and I don't know enough of the other guy's work, but I don't want to not give him credit. Well, that's what I, we're I, saying. Like Howard Hawks, like absorbed him, like the thing itself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> or maybe he, yeah, maybe you're right. Like maybe he just absorbed everything he was doing. Yeah, so I could see that he was just, maybe he was just imitating Hawks, I, and that's okay. Yeah. We all we all imitate directors. There's you know like oh that's the Spielberg shot. I want to recreate that for some movie, right? right? So I can um, see that. The best right, example so guys, of that is. Uh, Sorry, Dave. I just want to give another example that is uh, the debate whether George Lucas directed episode three or Spielberg directed episode three. Everybody talks about or they used to talk about. It. I don't know if they still talk about it. Dave and I talk about it. Now, why do they that. think he directed episode three? I actually have not heard about that. I hadn't heard of that uh, either, actually. Yeah, yeah. tell the I audience. That's actually that. interesting. I Dave, no I thought idea. we talked about this. Just, just that like uh, Spielberg visited the set a number of times. Had always been story buddies with Lucas, may have like helped him with some like, of the story work. And then, like, there's unusually dramatic scenes in, in episode three that aren't in any of his other sh- things. <laughs> like, I mean, well, that Kazin directed, Kazin directed, Lawrence Kazan directed, like, one of the other episodes. Um, and there was another director as well. And Lucas mm. didn't direct them all. Yeah. I'm not fresh on my Star Wars directors. And so I've already been tuned out by all the Star Wars fans or whatever. I'm simply pointing out that there's like some seriously dramatic scenes in part three that people don't give him credit for, but then maybe he evolved and maybe the, maybe he was on his A game. I don't know. I just think well, he brought his A game and part three led for the best storyline. It was. Oh, uh, maybe. You know, yeah. I think that led for the best storyline. The first two, like he, the romance one in part two, or right. I mean the, and then the first one was kind of, oh, we got to set up a young kid. They got and then he just made that. two movies back to back. I feel yeah. like by the third one, he probably got his stride. I guess. Well, now let's see if we can uh, well, uh, to, say, to segue into the, to, uh, and another movie that uh, people talk about a Phantom director. Kurt Russell is believed to have actually directed most of Tombstone <laughs> because do, George P. Cosmatos couldn't that. hack it. Uh, <laughs> but, I believe that in certain scenes, yeah. Um, so speaking of Kurt Russell, uh, we're going to talk about Thing 1982, some facts for this guy. Um, so this is actually uh, John Carpenter's personal favorite film of the ones he's directed. Um, according to John Carpenter, he takes all of his failed movies pretty hard, but the f- this film's initial negative reception disappointed him the most. Not mm. only was it a box office bomb, but mm. critics panned its gory effects, tone, and characters. Vincent uh Vincent Carby called it too phony looking to be disgusting. It qualifies only as an instant, as instant junk. It's kind of harsh. Um, <laughs> where's, where's that guy now? I'm just saying. I, yeah. Who knows? Okay. Um, yeah. So the opening title attempts to replicate the appearance of the original Howard Hawks film uh, to create the effect of the title and animation cell with the thing written on it was placed behind a smoke smoke filled fish tank which was covered with a plastic garbage bag. The bag was ignited, creating the effect of the title burning onto the screen. I actually watched a whole feature on that, and they like took them like several attempts to do that just right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like sometimes the, they'd only get the an energy. Is, is something else on good. these movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the first of John Carpenter's films, uh, which he did not score himself. The film's original mm-hmm. <laughs> choice of composer was Jerry Goldsmith, but he passed and, Ennio Morricone composed a very low-key Carpenter-like score filled with brooding, menacing bass chords. Morricone's score would be dubiously nominated for a Razzie Award for Worst Score. 
Again, that's pretty. <laughs> I mean, it is funny because it is. But there's a fairy tale ending to this. Continue, Dave. Yeah. Oh yeah. I um, so question: Why did why did he not score this movie? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not there's no. I watched score. I watched tons of special features on it. There's no official answer to that other than I think Carpenter just wanted to work with Morricone because it's like known that Carpenter always wanted to make a Western. So I think this was just his. Because I could not picture Jerry Goldsmith doing this score. It would be a completely different film. Can you imagine like Jerry Goldsmith? Mm -hmm. Like that would be uh, the thing would feel so different. Like, but this felt like a Carpenter score. And then when I saw the credit, I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, Carpenter actually, like, it's not, it, Carpenter actually had to, like, use a few gaps, or not, um, not gaps, um, like, bridges between McCorney's score, and he had to fill in a few gaps, so, like, there is mm. technically some Carpenter in there, okay. um, but, um, I gotta, I gotta watch that again and find out, yeah, I want to see uh, so, as John was talking about, unused music composed for this film was later used uh, by Ennio Morricone in Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Ironically, Morricone's Thing score was nominated for Razzie for Worst Score, and his score for The Hateful Eight won him an Oscar. There and also kind of similar movies, believe it or not. Uh, just, uh, just no aliens <laughs> in The Hateful Eight, but a lot of uh, yeah. mistrusting of everybody. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Nick Nolte turned down the role of McCready, as did Jeff Bridges. Bill Whoa. Bill Lancaster wrote the script with Harrison Ford and Clint Eastwood in the lead role, and both men were considered. On top of this, a relatively unknown Fred Ward campaigned for the role. Everybody was up for this role because I even read that Kevin Klein was a serious uh, was like seriously considered by the studio. <laughs> you know what though? Like what? Uh, Fred Ward would have been an interesting entry. I think. Fred Ward would have been actually he would have been asked. very interesting. Actually, yeah. Fred Ward could have like fit into any one of those roles, or hell, just make another role for Fred Ward. But yeah. it didn't happen. <laughs> um, while discussing the character of McCready, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell discussed having McCready be a former Vietnam War helicopter pilot who was involved in some sort of tragedy and since felt disgraced by his service. Uh, because of this, McCready suffers from PTSD, alcoholism, and severe insomnia. The backstory ultimately did not make it into the film, um, though it explains why McCready was awake to hear the dogs whining, why he isn't phased by the grotesque violence, and it also adds deeper context to the line, I'm a light sleeper child. So, yeah. Hmm. There, there's actually a ton. Like there is tons on there's the DVD so much or the Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> well, I watched the, over they, like ten hours of stuff in the course of a week. I remember that eighty-minute documentary on the original DVD. That thing is an incredible. Documentary. They still had. They still carry it over. And they still the carry that over. It's okay, so great. Cool. Yeah, that's such a great documentary. Still, since really we're already we're already gushing over it and talking about our favorite bits, we yeah. can go right into our favorite bits. <laughs> All right, of the first thing. Uh, first thing, uh, yeah, I guess pick or choose, or you can say both, whatever you feel like doing. Well, I'll I'll start with the first thing. My, uh, I actually jumped and I was shocked. Uh, remember the scene where the photographer and they're like something's out there, and the guy's like, "I, I want to take a picture. I want to take a picture." And they they open the door and the hand comes in. Do you remember that? Mm. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the big old hand comes in, and it's like it's like the music starts. I mean, it was just like this, like I'm just. <laughs> totally made me jump. I just was blown away that a 1951 movie made me jump. Well, the sound of the thing on the original oh, is like yeah. pretty creepy. Great too, yeah. And I didn't think the thing looked that bad. I actually thought it looked great. I'm looking back at the time. I couldn't imagine if I saw this in the theater as a kid, I'd be scared. <laughs> right. I'd be scared like really bad. Um, well, I guess my favorite bit on the first thing, uh, if we're gonna go one movie by the other, um, 
there's a great moment of comedy. I don't know if it was intentional. I have to believe it was intentional. It was too perfect timing. But at the towards the very end, the scientist is like, no, don't do it. Stop. Mm -hmm. We want to study you. Like, we can be useful. And like having like a heart to heart with the thing. And sure mm -hmm. enough, he just like throws him <laughs> against the wall. Yes. <laughs> like it was it was pitch perfect comedy. Like I I, I have to believe that was done intentionally. Mm -hmm. It was good. And John, what about you for the first thing from in the other world? Um, geez, you know what I like about some older movies that maybe you don't see a lot in modern movies is the cooperation and teamwork. Like, mm. I know mm. there were two sides. Like I said, the scientists are against the personnel of the Air Force. But for the most part, they're all cooperating to keep the base running, to keep the radio working. Each person has like a skill that they're working on. Uh, but my favorite part was the one guy who's like the lowest ranking Air Force guy. And he's the one that keeps making suggestions on how to get rid of the monster. Like, hey, let's try burning it. Let's use some electricity. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can fix the radio, but let's worry about this instead. Like, you know, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, that's love it. That that's for me. Love that type of character. I, I think for the, um, the 80s version of the thing, my favorite part is, um, of course, you know, the guy's dying. They're trying to keep him alive. And then uh. his chest opens up, the guy's hands get torn off, and it just becomes chaos from there. That whole sequence is You know, uh, your story is to be a little better with just a teeny bit more description. So, <laughs> so uh, there's yeah, a guy who I, I, appears, I it, appears, yeah. it appears somebody's either having a heart attack or a panic yeah. attack, and they're trying to resuscitate him on the table. There, the doctor there. goes to revive him with the electronic paddles, and the chest turns into a monster and eats his, the doctor's hands clean off and the doctor dies that's what john said, <laughs> what john said yeah yes. yeah and then the head fucking fall excuse my language it, falls away and, and there's <laughs> oh this is the iconic move like yeah. if you see if you google this movie online that you'll see the spider head oh yeah basically this the guy's is, head turns into a spider creature and crawls away that's like the iconic image from the 82 movie. Such it is a nightmare fuel. such a great scene <laughs> it's so good yeah um i mean there's i mean there's a ton i mean that that could easily be my favorite um i think that's most everybody's favorite um but the uh the blood testing scene i mean is in a movie that has like some of the best special effects and there are some in this but like this goes to show why this movie holds up as well to the effects like it's just a genuinely tense movie mm -hmm. and like just uh him you know, uh, testing everybody's blood, thinking like, okay, is it, are they safe? Um, cause of course I have my theories. Like each time I watch this, I get fooled into thinking the guy, um, I forget the character's name, but the one that, um, watches the dogs, I always have it in my head that mm. he's definitely a thing because he had first contact with the dog. His name is like or, Clark or something. Yeah. Clark, maybe. The, the and I always forget, I always forget yeah. that he's actually wasn't one of the things, um, which again is why this uh, part of why this scene is so tense. Uh, and like they, I think it wasn't until like the fourth, like it feels like the natural rhythm of most movies is you want to do it by the third example. And I think they manipulate you by doing it by on the fourth or fifth. Like, cause by that time you're thinking like, Oh, this test mm. is ineffective. And then there you go. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, fact, like the, John uh... Carpenter said he was afraid to do the scene. Like he was afraid of screwing up the scene. Cause he felt if he screwed up the scene, the whole movie would, not be plausible but i like yeah. the certainty of that you know your variables and they were confident the test was going to work they just didn't know how soon the monster it, would emerge it was going to happen yeah yeah but what pisses me off is i don't think it was appropriate to tie everybody together during the test but again david saying 
well, the enemy of this movie is tension. How are you going to scare people? They have to be tied together, so it's it's more scary. I, you know, I, I yeah. get that. Yeah. They should have um, all been tied in different places in the room, just because the one, like, yeah, exactly. Gee, I kind of like the two guys in the snow at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, folks. Um, there's two game. survivors, and we don't know which one's an alien, if any, and it, they just share a drink. It could be a dude shares a drink with an alien, and he's like, good job, you fucked everybody up. Or it's two dudes going <laughs> like, well, this is our last drink on Earth. We better enjoy it. You don't really know. You have to make a decision for yourself, which is also a horror movie ending in a in a drama or a comedy. They probably would make a decision. But here you got to try to figure it out. And that maybe is the last like scare, you know, at the end. And, and what I love yeah. is that if one of them's an alien, like Kurt Russell said, it's like not much we can do right now. Oh, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. yeah. And the alien is like, I can wait another hundred years. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I'll outlive you and well, I'll, I'll, I'll be back. I, I mean, that ending is part of the reason why this movie was so kind of um, a flop at the time. Like it was so it, a, doubt or like a just a bummer ending like it was like of course well et is what kind of kicked its ass but uh you know it was the other alien movie that was like had a bummer ending so like nobody wanted to see it and now it's of course you know the classic it it is so far ahead of its time 1982 was the year of awesome movies right blade runner and this that just studded yeah well dude i wanted to show you like on the special features they had like a poster of just universal releases just one studio it had like in one year had this Cat People, which we just covered, mm-hmm. um, E.T., um, The Dark Crystal. Like, it had these, like, year. crazy, like, five or six movies, and every single one of them is a classic. <laughs> like, it's uh, nuts. Yeah, they were on top of their game that year. Usually, I mention these guys at the top of the hour. I usually say, joined as always, the Binge Watcher Screw, Nikki Lates, uh, Dangerous Dave. Right. This is kind of reversed, but we appreciate <laughs> you for listening. As always, I'm joined by Nikki Lates and Dangerous Dave. And I'm Johnny Spoiler. Do I spoil movies? Maybe. But is it out of sheer love? Possibly. I don't know. Now I'm just being gimmicky. Just to goof around. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, otherwise, thanks for joining us for another episode. I don't really care what everybody's watching this week. So unless somebody has something really great, like that is amazing. I mean, it's Actually, horror movie season. So I if mean, it's if, not, if well, let's make a rule one. then. It has to be a horror movie. I watched one. It's a horror show. <laughs> It's basically one. Mm, it has to be a horror movie. It is horror. <laughs> uh, well, should we, well, Nick? I'll I'll put it to you. Okay. Should we loosen the rules as long as it's related to the season? I, I think stick with the season. Yeah. Okay. I, th- okay, I think okay. stick with horror since it's October. All right. right? I, you I've got it going... in. You got it in, Dave. What'd you All watch? Right. Um, I'm sure. It, like next to Squid Game, I think this is the second most talked about movie or TV show right now. But um, it lives up to every bit of hype. Uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix is amazing. Um, it Ooh, is that's a strong endorsement, man. That's a big mm. saying the word amazing. Like, no, I mean it's seriously. There are two. Up a notch. Wow. This, so this is a horror movie, and by the end, um, like how many horror movies can you name? Actually, we'll watch one at the end of the month, but we'll talk about that later. But it it falls into like a very small class of horror movies or TV shows that is actually emotional and earns it. It's like it's not false. Like at the end, if like you will be. As me and my wife like to say, Vaclemt, like you will be like really like it earns it emotional or like maybe. I mean, it, I mean, there are two, there are two episodes in this movie, or excuse me, well, it is basically a movie just long. There are two episodes in the show, like by the end, you're just like your jaw is dropped by emotion, you're just like stuck because something happened, and you're just like, what? Mm. Um, but it's, 
I don't know. I don't want to give away like what the show actually is because it's kind of a it's kind of a twist. Um, but it is a, a good take on um, a religious horror. Um, a priest comes into town that's in this small island town that seems sinister. You don't know what his deal is, and where it goes from there is just really interesting. A lot of people compared it to Salem's Lot, which I haven't seen, so I can't say that. But I could see that. Mm-hmm. Being that Mike Flanagan has done a few Stephen Man? King adaptations. From the trailer, it looks like the town is a cult, like they're like a C U L T cult. Um, you know what? By the by, the end, I could see somebody making that that argument. Um, I mean, most religions are pretty cultish to begin with, so that's not unfair. Um, I, I yeah, it's um again, I don't want to like to even tell you what ultimate genre it is. Feels like it's kind of giving away some spoilers, David, but uh, hold yeah. on, you know, except for the true religion. Now drink the Kool Aid and be quiet. <laughs> No, it's it's worth it's worth the ride. It is seven episodes of just like I said. By the end, then, I actually watched the end again. You know where it, was it falls so apart? Half an hour episodes or which hour flavor? Episodes? No, no, it falls apart when they have to decide which flavor of Kool Aid to drink. Mm. That's where it all falls apart. I do the red one. <laughs> the red Kool Aid. You know what's so funny is like that. There's Kool Aid drinking does kind of fall into this show at some point. Oh, really? I love how the the, the Kool Aid oh. is so cheap. You don't even name the flavor. You're just like. Red. It's the red. I, I want blue I flavor. flavor. I want blue flavor. Like ten. I've actually, whatever. I've actually seen a legitimate product called Grape Drink. That was its oh, official yeah. it's, name. It's on the market. It's, they they definitely good. market by color. That's, that's you get a ninety-nine cent store. You'll real see thing. That, yeah. <laughs> I won't explore the connotations of marketing by color. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I went back and watched the uh, original black and white George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. I have not seen this probably in 10 years, but I wanted to. Dude, what are you doing? You're killing us. I wanted the classic black and white. I'm just saying. No, so, you're like ahead of the list wait. now. Dude, why not have the list? Am I like, I'm doing, did you guys send me oh, this? Or am I shit. just on the same page as you guys? This is, so, is this the uh, second week I've done this? So if you, a couple <laughs> oh episodes gosh, ago, Nick got ahead of our yeah, viewing no list idea. that we I watched to prepare for shows. And so apparently he's gonna kick us in the nuts all month long with this. Uh, this is Dude, that is two for two. I should be like in Vegas, like gambling at this point. This is incredible. Oh my gosh! Wow. Now it seems engineered. Like Nick's like, I'm directing this shit. I'm on this. Shit. <laughs> I got mics in your guys' rooms, and I'm listening to you guys talk. <laughs> well, every week awesome. there is a mic in our room. Yeah, and right. I'm gonna save my my thing for then. Yeah, that's what I watched. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wrong ending song. That happened a couple weeks ago, too. (laughs) I'm, like, completely thrown off that he juked the list, and I'm not even playing the right ending song here. Dude, I literally, you guys showed me like in September. I literally don't remember. I, you guys might just want to show me the list so I don't just. You're a sponge. You're just like absorbing it right into your frontal lobe. Maybe it's like subconscious from a month ago. No, but I'm, gonna, I've been, I'm watching a bunch of black and white horror movies, right? And it's just like, I did not even know. I swear, that is yeah. incredible. Wow. The Emmy goes to Nikki Lates. Yes, and I'm going to Vegas. Do we, even, do we even tell people what we are officially watching next week? No, we didn't, oh. actually. Are you still recording? Oh, that's too bad. Oh.